Hello, handsome devils and long-lost loves and all the ships at sea, and welcome to A Very Good Year, the movie podcast where we invite a guest to pick their favorite year of movies and talk to us about that year. I'm your host, Jason Bailey, and across the mic and across the country from me is my co-host... Michael Hall. And this is our December bonus episode. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, We have a little something special as a thank you for you, our loyal paid subscribers. Um, And as with last month's bonus episode, we wanted to bring back one of our favorite guests from the first season. Luckily for us, uh, and you don't get to do this much, we can update her intro this time around. Uh, You see, when she joined us back in September, she was senior correspondent at Vox. In November, the New York Times announced that she was joining the paper as movie critic. So please join us in welcoming back to the show, our friend Alyssa Wilkinson. Hi, Alyssa. Hello. It's good to be here. Thank you so much for doing this. Congrats on the new damn gig, which is extremely <laughs> cool. Thank you. Um, I, I'm happy to be there and here at the same time. <laughs> Space time continuum kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how's it going so far? Like, uh, what, you know, how how has the adjustment been? How has the turnaround been? How is the yeah. culture over there thus far, et cetera, et cetera? Tell us about it. Honestly, it's been pretty fun. I, um, you know, I really didn't, I knew, I shouldn't say I didn't know what to expect because of course I kind of did. I knew a lot of people there. Sure. I had a lengthy interview process, so I was pretty clear yeah. on what was going to happen. <laughs> Um, yeah. once I got there and, you know, I, like all of us have read the New York times movie criticism for a long time, but, um, I didn't quite know, you know, every time you like move jobs, you have new processes and you have new like quirks of an editor that you have to work around or quirks of the paper. And there are probably a bit more of those, which you, you are familiar with, I think, um, you know, just finding Mm -hmm. out for instance, that the preferred title is movie critic and not film critic was kind of a a funny thing to to discover. I I can kind of see it. (laughs) The house style, like I have been freelancing for that publication for, 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 Jesus Christ, since like 2017. And yeah. I, I still cannot get used to some of the quirks of the house style. Like no. I still have to remind myself, it's not, you know, director Martin Scorsese. It's the director Martin the Scorsese. The director. That yeah. was one of the first ones I learned. Or I recently, I think I submitted something with the term... Uh, I think I called something enormous and was told that mm-hmm. enormous is generally used for physical objects. <laughs> and so <laughs> I've been using my thesaurus a lot. Um, I had in my probably my first week. <laughs> they passive aggressive that generally. Like when you get yes. those, like, mm, generally, the which like <laughs> I've learned to read as. Um, a dummy wouldn't do this. So yeah. Well, yeah. It, everyone has been enormously supportive Mm -hmm. um it's actually been it's been really fun and um yeah i have you know i have really enjoyed it and i'm not just saying that i i think it's gone much more it is i have also like had to move suddenly in the last month so i started the job and moved in the same month wonderful timing new york is just hell you know um but i will say that starting the job is by far the easier part (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I was going to say, at least it happened during the time of the calendar year that is most relaxed and chill for people who do our jobs. That's right. Yes. It's I mean, great. at this point, Perfect I'm just timing. really glad that I don't also have, like, children or last year right. I would have been also grading finals and I no right. longer teach, so I'm not dealing with that. So on the whole, yeah. it's been great, and I have a desk, and it looks out on Port Authority, which we all know is the most beautiful place in New York City. <laughs> Um, so how could I mean, that go wrong? <laughs> there's always there's always a little mise en scene happening uh, in front of Ford Authority, so yes, it's appropriate. Yes. Yes. Man, the sausage, finding out how the New York Times sausage is made is such a wild experience because, like, as you described it as Tony, like, that's well said, right? Yeah. And, like, finding, like, meeting the people who really work there and and you're like, wait a minute, like, <laughs> you make sausage, bro. Like, you're not. Uh-huh. Okay. At some point, you just realize that, like, everything in the entire world is just, like, made by people who are figuring it out. So that's, yep. you know, that's, that's everything. So figuring it out just yep just, making it up as you go along <laughs> yep and fake it till you make it and all all mm-hmm. of all of those helpful um 
sayings. Okay. We (laughs) invited you on because we wanted to do an end of the year show talking about the movies of 2023. Um, as is our one, just doing it much quicker than we usually do. Uh, and we wanted to strip it down a bit because we all know the headlines for 2023. Um, mm-hmm. And the final box office and awards are not yet in. Um, and as we've seen on the show, it can be hard to get like a full grasp of a movie year until some time has passed. But yeah, my, 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 my sort of starter question before we get into the the segments the regular segments is in in the moment what are your thoughts on sort of the overall quality of film this year and where the art is at right now yeah i mean i think most people critics kind of agree it was a pretty pretty good year (laughs) um (laughs) you know even if you didn't like all the films there were so many movies worth talking about which for me is the measure of i mean as we're talking the zone of interest is about to hit theaters which is going to be a Mm -hmm. an interesting Mm -hmm. um time Mm -hmm. and you know Mm -hmm. one thing i really like that movie but one thing that's interesting about it is that there's so much to talk about and there's so many different kind of viewpoints and it felt like we had those movies starting pretty early and continuing on and then on top of it we had like actual good movies making a lot of money and people like going to the movies i've kind of been telling people that i i think what happened is barbie and oppenheimer you know really kind of started life as an internet meme like how funny is mm-hmm. this idea that people would go on the mm-hmm. same day but then people right. did um or maybe they didn't but they went to both and then they remembered that movies are like great <laughs> they're yeah. you know even when they're very long they're just like a few hours mm-hmm. um you mm-hmm. know you probably have like a comfy seat maybe you like get a beer or like bring your kid or whatever and you sit there for a few hours it costs you less than doing virtually anything else that you can do outside of your home especially in new york but pretty much anywhere else and uh and i think that translated into people actually being interested in movies again um which was really exciting to see i i felt encouraged for the first time in ages and that was all happening in the middle of the strikes where which were sort of somewhere between incredibly discouraging and actually kind of heartening to watch happen. So yeah, it's been an interesting year. I don't, I, you know, there's that line, the kind of Irish curse that's uh, may you live in interesting times. Um, (laughs) But I mean it in a positive way. It's been fascinating to watch and it's felt like another shift that um, needed to happen in order for movies to survive at all. You know, at least, thank goodness, now that people are interested in going to the movies again, the studios didn't dig in their heels for no good reason for several months and stop the production of new products. Um, that would be a catastrophe. That yes. would Although smell on... real. <laughs> on the flip side, though, there was too much stuff. So maybe. There was. <laughs> maybe it'll be good. Maybe we'll finally catch you know, up. There... Yeah. Yeah, you know, people, people, I think, haven't been watching movies in part because they just, there's like too many and you just shut down, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, mm-hmm. I do, and I'm supposed to mm-hmm. see a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I like, I, you know, there's a lot of economic repercussions and people's careers are at stake. And I know all of that. But I do think for the art form, a little less of it would probably be better at in the end. Right, right. Well, and we, you know, you you get into some of this um, really articulately in the uh, the year end best of um, that that you and Manola co wrote, um, mm-hmm. which we will link to obviously on the page, and we're going to talk about some you know, several of the movies that that you run down on that because it does have a top ten from which we pulled to your nice. top five, um, and uh, and and you guys intersected uh, on on a few points as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But there were there was actually something that Manola said that that caught Mike's eye um, when when he was reading this to prep for the show. Um, what was that, Mike? Just the top paragraph because we're always on the show whinging about how there's no mid budget movies, there's nothing made for grown ups. You mm-hmm. know, there's always these sort of all that exists is tent poles or things made on iPhones. Mm-hmm. And and Manola's opening paragraph said, "I'm I had a terrific movie year. I saw hundreds of new films with a variety of plots and styles made on every imaginable scale and budget." 
That's just like one sentence. Some are from newcomers like A.B. Rockwell and others from the ever new Martin Scorsese, which is an amazing way to describe him. Mm -hmm. Some you've heard of or will. Others scarcely make, uh, while others scarcely made a ripple. Some are released by independents like A24 and the Tiny Kim Stim. Others came from tech companies and still others from what are now often called legacy studios. I, I mean, I just found that to be like, I had to read that that paragraph several times um, <laughs> to really sort of like get it into my head because it's so opposite of the way we have talked about movies over and over and over <laughs> over the past year. But the more I read it, the more I sort of reflected on the movies that I saw. Mm -hmm. And like watching movies isn't my job. I always feel like I have to, to put a bit of a disclaimer <laughs> when I'm talking about year-end wrap-ups with people whose job it is to watch hundreds of movies. But that that my experience is reflected in that paragraph also. So mm -hmm. like, why is it that it doesn't seem like we've gotten that message, even though we're having that experience? I'm... Hmm. I mean, I will answer as a guy who is who, who as the guy who keeps saying not that, um, which is that I'm not going to like sit up here and be like, Manola's wrong. She's not wrong. I th the, the I think often what I am um, talking about and frustrated by is the a feeling that has that has existed for a while that I would like to think might be um evolving i don't want to say ending but at least changing of it just felt like the only movies that were in the culture in an active way the only things that people were talking about were either giant tentpole 200 million dollar movies or tiny you know micro budget things that that were impressive because they broke through um or got made at all um but i think that we we really have seen in the last year a shifting of that paradigm, at least to some extent, in that the sure things that used to be the only things that the legacy studios were willing yeah. to take chances on failed. Yes. Um, you know, Oppenheimer was not supposed to be one of the biggest movies of the year. It was certainly <laughs> not in, not supposed to several times over outgross a new Indiana Jones movie, a mm -hmm. flash movie with like multiple Batman in it. Like there yep. were a <laughs> lot of sure things this year that fucking tanked. Yep. And uh, you know, a Marvel movie is not a sure thing anymore. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I, I would like to think that, you know, that is, you know, and I don't know what the chicken or the egg is in this scenario that, yeah. but that as a result of that, we are talking more about my, my sacred mid-budget movie. I don't know, Alyssa, what, yeah. where, where, where do you land on, on that, <clears throat> on what Manola's saying there and sort of how it yeah. plays into a, a, the, the contemporary cinematic narrative? Yeah. I mean, it was a funny year because uh, the biggest movie of the year being Barbie, Obviously, it looks and feels like a very expensive movie, but it has the sensibility of a less expensive movie, I would say. It's very is, weird. It's, it's a, very a deeply weird movie. Weird movie. It was so I, good. It, just, it feels handmade in a way that IP movies don't. Yeah, and it, it kind of is. It has like yeah. practical effects. It ha you know, it has right. jokes about Italian fascists and it's just a very strange movie right <laughs> but but i just while you were talking looked up the budget for two movies that are in my head right now which are may december todd haynes's film which um mm. is a netflix movie but you know produced by killer films as all of his films are the budget on that is estimated around 20 million i'm gonna guess most of that went to the actors um yep. because it's you know kind of shot in a, mostly in a house and then um, the zone of interest budget is estimated around 15 million, which seems maybe a little low, but it's clearly not a high budget movie. As zone yeah. of interest is an A24 movie, but it played at Cannes. It won prizes there. May, December also played Cannes. Um, and, you know, those are pretty mid budgety movies. I think, yeah. I think what you're talking about, because I, I feel it too, is that studios don't tend to take chances on mid-budget movies right. still. And when they do, they've tried this kind of rom-com thing in the past couple of years. And like, there was that mm -hmm. really dismal George and Julia go to Bali thing from, was that last year? Like what a terrible that movie that was. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's because even when they're 
well, I don't know what that cost. It probably was kind of expensive. But even when they're doing that kind of like smaller movie for ostensibly grownups, they're so risk averse that you still end right. up often with a movie that just, you know, there was the Meg Ryan, David Duchovny one. I don't know anyone who saw it. Did it come out? I guess it came right. out. It did. Maybe it did. It did. Um, <laughs> it did. You know, there's that kind of movie where there's like some element that used to exist is missing. Um, right. And I think, you know, not again to talk about the strikes too much, but I think a result of the strikes and all the studios being like, wah, wah, well, we can't invest the way we used to is like, maybe, okay, well, maybe he'll actually do something interesting. You know, if Greta can do what she did with Barbie, why not give that money to somebody else or give, split that money five ways and make five movies, you know, there's a lot of kind of shifts in the industry and the the business has not caught up with itself um, and did sort of too much. And now they're contracting it and like TV doesn't pay mm-hmm. off the way it used to. So I think we're just in a huge flux state, which is what excites me. Um, you know, it's funny, my kind of my predecessor, I'm not a chief film critic, but the reason I have my job is because A.O. Scott moved over to the book review and a job opened up. Right. Um, and when he, and you know, he's, he's great. He's an incredible critic, great person, mm-hmm. um, and had done the job for a long time. And when he left, he like gave a couple interviews where he was like, I'm just kind of not hugely excited about where the business is going. And I agree with him, but this year felt like it actually kind of turned that back on itself a little bit and said like, maybe the business is in one of those inflection points that we've seen before like mm-hmm. we saw in the 50s mm-hmm. and then the 60s happened and who knows what we're going to see we're in a very different culture than it was in the 60s but um there's space and there's interest and you know one of the best movies of the year according to me um or several of the best movies of the year were sundance movies and sundance is right. often lower to mid-budget movies so there's a lot yeah. there's a lot out there that's happening right now well said. Shit. Look at us. State of the industry, man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Alyssa Wilkinson, you ready to do a top five? I am. All right. So uh so again, you can we will we will link this. You can read uh more on this. Um, but we are we are taking the the top five from Alyssa's New York Times top ten. Um, which is a wonderful and varied list. Um, and I agree with almost all of it. Uh, so what then is the number five movie for this year, 2023? Um, at number five, I had a still small voice, uh, which is a documentary by Luke Lorenzen. There's an old adage, don't just stand there do something and we flip that we say don't just do something stand there or be there because there's connection and healing in that This, this I, w- yeah. I would imagine will probably be the one that that the casual moviegoer is is least likely to to know about. So yes, uh, we don't need to do this on all, but sort of, what is this movie exactly for someone who yeah. hasn't heard of it? It was the first great movie I saw this year. <laughs> um, mm. I saw it before Sundance. I. I I went to Walter Reed Theater at Lincoln Center, which we know and love, and it was me and one mm-hmm. friend of ours, and I sat all the way in the back, <laughs> I sat all the way in the front. Um, and Ideal. Uh, Ideal. <laughs> and um, it's so Luke, Luke is a really talented and interesting documentarian. He His last film was Midnight Family, which is this really fascinating observational yeah. doc about a family that runs a um, ambulance company in Mexico City where most of the ambulances are run by for-profit companies. Um, and it was very much about like, how do they deal with kind of the pressure of the job, the business of the job, the like structure of the medical system um, and the kind of people you encounter when you drive an ambulance all night. So a still small voice feels like a very natural progression from there. Totally. Uh, he went to Mount Sinai hospital. It's shot 
in early enough pandemic that it was at a time when people couldn't go to the hospital to be with their loved ones who were like dying or experiencing tragic conditions or whatever. And Mount Sinai is a big hospital. Um, there's a group of chaplain residents there who were there in a one-year program kind of, you know, they're trained, but they're getting their hands-on experience. Um, and Luke basically was a one-man band while he was there right. because he couldn't have a crew. And he follows all of them, but in particular, a resident named Mati, who kind of comes from like a sort of Jewish background, but she's kind of more spiritual perhaps than than religious. And um, part of the job, it's, it's an ecumenical job. So part of the job is kind of administering spiritual care to people from various traditions or like no traditions at all. Um, while, you know, helping them through things as varied as like a terminal illness or a miscarriage or, um, you know, numerous other kinds of really difficult things that you run into in a hospital. Um, but then also we see her and some of the other residents having their meetings, grappling with what they're going through. Um, also, she kind of runs into conflict with her supervisor, who is also chaplain. You know, everyone's under kind of, it's it's a very stressful situation to be in, but it's like yeah. much more stressful given the circumstances. And it's a really beautiful film. It sounds like it'd be super depressing, but it's a really beautiful film about how do people minister to one another, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. you know, in that kind of a situation. And what does that do to your self? What does that do to your soul? You know, how do you, how do you deal with that kind of stress? Um, and, you know, I won't give away how it ends, but I think it's, you know, it doesn't leave you with like some kind of cheerful, like, yay, humanity feeling exactly, <laughs> but it's very much a movie about struggling. And I think it's one of the great, it doesn't really present as a pandemic movie, but I think it's one of the great pandemic movies that we're, that we're going to get. Um, but also just kind of a lovely film about, yeah, about some of the most difficult things that a human can go through and how we help one another through that. So it's in theaters, uh, like in New York and LA, but it'll eventually be, you know, digitally available and most people will see it that way. But I think if you can kind of psych yourself up for it, it's a really beautiful experience. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, I watched it uh, a couple of weeks ago on your recommendation before this list was published, just as we were sort of hashing out, you know, you have, you, when you do this job and you get to the end of, year, of the year and you realize there are like literally three, four dozen movies that everyone <laughs> says you should see before the year is out. And before you're mm -hmm. doing voting and lists and things, you have to sort of huddle up together with people you trust. Um, yep. What I found astonishing about this movie is you know, I feel like there's just a there's just a quality that the great documentarians just have to have of yes. of 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 embedding long enough and uh, modestly enough that the the subject does like forget that they are there. Yeah, um, completely. And sometimes sometimes even in good documentaries, you don't get that sense. But I feel like mm -hmm. in in great documentaries, you almost always do. Um, yeah, very you know, much. Unless it's, unless, unless it's like an Errol Morris who's doing like, right. you know, <laughs> supposed to be <laughs> baroquely <there>. stylized <laughs> things, you know. Yes. Um, so what I found, you know, I, I, the, the people are so compelling. The, 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 the subjects that yeah. he, that he, you know, the subject matter and the people that he focuses on are so, uh, so fascinating. But there are, there, there were scenes by the end where I just, I couldn't imagine forgetting no. that a camera was there while I was saying things that are that hurtful or yeah. potentially alienating um, yep. or vulnerable, you know? Yes. Um, yes. It's, it, there's some, it's very powerful. It is very, um, and I, you know, I did a Q and a right before I started this job with um, Luke and Mati uh, on opening weekend. And I knew a lot about, the film just from hearing them talk about it all year. But um, Mati said something I didn't know, which is that they, they got permission from all the patients that they spend time with. Mm -hmm. But then after they shot the film, they went back and showed them the footage and said, do you consent? Like, do you want this in the film mm. basically? So, oh, wow. um, 
which makes it, I think, even more powerful. I kind of wish I had known that watching it because, you know, that's something you worry about. And I kind of assume there's a certain amount of documentary ethics that go into the making of yep. a movie like that. But these are yep. people who are literally experiencing some of the hardest things they'll ever, ever go through. There's there's one scene that I just think about honestly all the time with a couple who've like had twins and one of them has died. And mm -hmm. Oh, Monty, yeah. she she's in the someone says you have to go take care of them and she's like I don't how do I perform a baptism like I don't know what it is you know and she shows mm. up and she does what she needs to do and it's just like completely heartbreaking and um and beautiful and uh, so I think like degree of difficulty alone this film deserves a lot of accolades mm -hmm. but also the thoughtfulness that they approached matters of consent and vulnerability and mm -hmm. things like that are really moving, you know, as kind of a collaborative film more than anything yeah. else. Yeah. The amount of trust that you have to engender as a documentary director to yeah. come back yeah. and say, look at this. Mm -hmm. Wasn't yeah. that fucking terrible? Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, like the amount of trust that you already had worked yeah. into the relationship before that point yeah. is the only way you can even start to have that conversation. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really good. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And Great you movie. know, a lot of documentarians, this is obviously a huge conversation in the documentary world, but a lot of them, you know, there's a feeling like, well, if we let the subjects have final cut, essentially, right. Um, right. we won't have a truthful film. And I think this one really stands as testament that you you can it's just it's all about relationships so i love it for a lot of reasons yes documentary ethics are a thing i can talk about yeah yes but I yes used to they have teach, a bottomless interest in <laughs> i used to teach documentary to undergrads and um not not making them just watching them and um you know that there's so many aspects of it that they never think about and i would absolutely be assigning this film if i were still doing that so yeah 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 God, that's going to be a weird adjustment for you not teaching anymore and figuring out oh, how you're going to I teach mean, things. <laughs> I know. I know. I keep mentally uh, rewriting my syllabi, but anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alyssa, what then is the number four movie on your top 10 for uh, 2023? Yeah, my number four is this film, Reality. Look, you've had a good career. I don't think you're a big, bad master spy. I think you just messed up. I think you might have been angry about what's going on. The Russians attacked our democracy. Before the, the election took the Russians campaign it. They didn't attack. Reality. Were you surprised to see us today? Which has, uh, I think, possibly the best title of any um movie on the list uh in so it's a movie about reality winner who is the whistleblower who went to prison she was a contractor and for the nsa she was a translator and she um came across information that led her to believe that there was russian interference in the in the election and she leaked the documents to the intercept and the fbi showed up at her door and she until very recently was in prison yeah. um so this was a, this started, well, this started life as the transcript of the interrogation from the FBI because they had recordings of it. And then that recording, um, among other things, was taken by Tina Satter, who's a, a playwright and a director, a dramaturg in New York, turned into an off-Broadway show called Is This a Room that I saw right before the pandemic off-Broadway. Um, and it is a direct transcript uh, the actors that's the lines they speak um and there's actors playing reality and also the reality winner the woman and then also um the fbi agents and there's like a couple other characters who show up and it's just that there's no commentary the only thing that happens that isn't a direct transcript is when there's redacted bits of the transcript um on stage there was kind of a loud noise and the lights went out uh and then the the play transferred to Broadway right after the pandemic where I saw it was just as good. Um, and then I found out they were making a film of it. That's what this is. So when you watch it, you have to know it is a very formally odd film and it's really useful to know what it is going in. But Sydney Sweeney plays reality winner. 
the name changed to reality. And of course that's literally her name, but also it's a film about what is reality and, (laughs) you know, when are you kind of being lied to by your, by your government Mm -hmm. or, or some other force and, and what counts as reality. And, you know, the word gaslight gets thrown around a lot in our world, I think, but it is kind of about gaslighting and who's doing it, where it is, all those things. Um, it has really good performances. Um, yeah. but Sydney Sweeney is in particular amazing. She's, if you only think of her, she's spectacular. She's spectacular she's amazing in this movie. If you think of her as like the girl from Euphoria or the girl from The White Lotus, you're not wrong. She's very good at that kind of thing. I um, mean, she's in that upcoming rom com with um, Glenn Powell. But this is a tour de force performance. I don't use that lightly. She's yeah. She's doing something. I I I don't even know how to put into words so um yeah I just you know the film has really stuck with me as one of the few actually formally adventurous films that still like you watch it and you are like angry and also gut punched by the end um Mm -hmm. and it's and it's real that's really how it happened that's another layer (laughs) to that reality word so it's on max it was a it was at Berlin, I believe, um, and it did a little bit of traveling, and then um, HBO bought it and just put it on streaming. But you can see it there, and you should, um, and I wish mm-hmm. more people would see it, because it really is a remarkable achievement, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I had sort of, as with so many movies that get bought by these services, I had been like, oh, yeah. I should watch that. It's right there. And then, like, I don't get around to it. Like, fuck, Alyssa, there are new Wes Anderson movies that I still haven't watched. They're right oh, there. Oh, yeah, they're sure They're are. right there. Four of them. They're right there. <laughs> They're right yep. fucking there. So this yes. was right there. And so mm-hmm. when we when we very quickly decided to do this episode and I looked at your list, this was the only one I hadn't seen. So I watched it last night and it is a fucking knockout. Like yeah. and you're and 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 you couldn't be more right about how formally impressive it is that, you know, the the choices, the very deliberate choices she's making in terms of composition, in terms of staging uh, obviously as a play director, like that's front of mind, but, but also yeah. cinematic, it's incredibly cinematic the way that she, and I don't even want to spoil it because the first time it happens, it's so through me, but the way yeah. that she does the redacted passages is so ingenious. Um, yes. Sydney Sweeney's incredible. Josh Hamilton, who I've always loved. So great. Uh, <laughs> kick, kicking and screaming forever. Um, yep. This is, uh, but you know, from but eighth grade. Th- this is 180 <laughs> from anything he's ever done. Um, yep. he, but but uses that baggage of the sort of warmth, cozy sweater of a guy, and then just mm-hmm. absolutely turns it into a fucking shiv. Uh, yep. It's 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 really really good. Um, yeah. The the top three on this list, you know, are are ones that people have heard about in uh, in many forms, uh, yes. in many platforms as things to seek out at the end of the year. But uh, I, reality, it's right there. You can just go watch it right now, and I I yeah. strongly encourage you to do so. Yeah. Um. Okay. What then? Uh, as we now move into the, the the top three that that folks maybe have more likely heard of or seen, what is the number three movie on your list, Alyssa Wilkinson? So the number three is the zone of interest. Im Osten steht unser Morgen. Welchen Dank für eure nationalsozialistische Gastfreundschaft. I'm curious to see how many people will actually know what this film is at the end of the day. Because it is kind of, <laughs> right. you know, it's not a movie I would even necessarily say I like. <laughs> Because sure. it's hard to, I mean, it, it feels like deranged to say you like this movie. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. it's Jonathan Glazer, who people know from Under the Skin. It's based on, very, very loosely based on like the first bit and the epilogue of a Martin Amis novel by the same um, name. Uh, it is also formally insane. I think it's fam- mm-hmm. fair to say. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen in my whole life. I know I'm selling it really well. <laughs> I just read the description to my wife and she said, fuck that movie. And yeah. that, that was the end of the conversation. So I'm pretty sure I might have to watch it quietly in the office. <laughs> that's kind of exactly the response you're supposed to have, I think. like, um, It's not... 
you know, I didn't know, I kind of knew vaguely what it would be when I went in to see it at Cannes, but you kind of sit in the dark for like two and a half minutes at the beginning where there's just this like horrible droning in a black screen and then, and then it starts. Um, yeah, he's not messing around. Uh, what I uh, love about the movie, first of all, is um, in my last book, I wrote a lot about Hannah Arendt. Keep in mind, this came out in, or I saw it in May. So this was before a lot of current events kind of made people talk even more about Arendt and all of this. But mm. um, people have continually brought up the concept of banality of evil with reference to this right. movie. I think it understands that concept better than most critics do. <laughs> um, because <Yeah>. banality <laughs> of evil is is not about evil being boring or normal. Right. It's about... Um, it's actually about bureaucratic language and the refusal to think. Um, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, for that, I would just refer people to my review at Vox because I kind of, I, I just reread it and I kind of feel like I've written it in such a fugue state that I'm like, how did I do this on deadline again? <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's essentially about a Nazi commandant at Auschwitz who runs the camp. Um, but uh, it's really... It's been described as kind of Big Brother style filming of the inside of his house. Um, the main character is kind of Sandra Huller, who plays his wife. Um, she's also the star of Anatomy of a Fall. This year, she's one of the year's MVPs. She's incredible. Yeah. Um, but we never really, we never see inside the camp, or maybe we do once, but it's, it's what we see is their lovely, easy life they're kind of their beautiful gardens and their nice house and you it becomes a horror film because you're not seeing anything now i've heard that glazer actually shot scenes inside the walls and then when they got to post decided not to put those in so mm. that's like a really deliberate choice because well there's a whole battery of philosophical reasons that you would make that choice i think um yep. But uh, yeah, I mean, like it or hate it, I don't think you can ignore it. I do think it's one of those movies that we'll still be talking about and arguing about in 50 years, which for me makes it probably a, a, a worthy addition to the list. Um, but if you, can, if you can stomach it, I think it's worth watching, um, if mm -hmm. only to be able to talk about it wisely and smartly. But I do think the... The accomplishment is large there and the yeah. kind of the allusions he's making to Lenny Riefenstahl and like all these kind of different things that are happening in that movie are um, horrifying. And I, I think the movie will grow in stature over time. We'll see if I'm right, but, um, yeah. but I think it's yeah. pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I, 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 I almost said I liked it too, which is again, like an <laughs> insane way to discuss this movie. Yeah. I, I, I am not as taken with it as, as some of my fellow critics, just because I, there are a couple of formal choices he makes that I don't think work. Um, mm -hmm. but while, while simultaneously like wildly respecting the ambition of taking them, you know, Yes. Of making them, of take of taking those those chances. Um yeah. and and you know, and, and you also like you have to take big swings. There are mm -hmm. there are other formal choices he makes, and I'm not giving anything. There the 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 the, the formal choices of the, the last like ten minutes of this thing oh, are just like unimpeachable. <laughs> um yeah. so so yes, you know, it is it is an incredibly potent and worthwhile film and worth seeing and really worth talking about. And Mike, after you sneak into the office and, and watch it quietly, I look forward to having what I'm sure will be a very um, uh, animated conversation about it. Um, let's, let's, let's pin that now for an upcoming bonus episode. Uh, once, once the season starts up, um, Alyssa number two on the 2023 list. A very so different movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Past lives. What a good story this is. Childhood sweethearts who reconnect 20 years later and realize they were meant for each other. In the story, I would be the evil white American husband standing in the way of destiny. Shut up. He was just this kid in my head for such a long time. I think I just missed him. Did he miss you? His arm! 
which I also saw at Sundance. And I remember, mm-hmm. so I knew Celine Song's um, plays or some of them, but I, I knew also that she was in development on a feature. And when it popped up on the Sundance list, I was like, oh, cool, like, got to see it. And then um, walked in the theater and then walked out and was like, oh, wow, that was like possibly the best movie of the year. I mean, you know, I don't know. Maybe yeah. something will top it. Um, in mid-January. In mid-January, yeah. which is insane. Um, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. mean, you know, in some ways, it's exactly the movie we're talking about that we wish were more of them were made, right? It's like a small, mm-hmm. basically kind of three-hander, it's a three-hander. I guess, you know, yeah. about yeah. Um, about a woman and uh, the lives she didn't lead. Uh, but I think one thing I, I really love about this movie is that it totally doesn't go in the direction you think it's going to. Um, It seems like, you know, Hollywood has kind of one way of telling love triangle stories or like maybe two. God, yes. And this, this one barely qualifies as a love triangle, even though it really is. Um, And Mm -hmm. I, I sort of, I was kind of arguing with someone months ago who saw it and was like, well, I just wanted it to be more romantic. And I was like, no, but this is how people's lives are. <laughs> like, this is just, yeah. this is real life. Um, and the people mm-hmm. in this movie, to me anyhow, and I recognize like it's about a writer who lives in Brooklyn. So, um, <laughs> but <laughs> to me, it's like, I I know these people, like, you know, yeah. I, I, these are how people I know talk. These are places I go. Um, and she basically, you know, she grows up, she has kind of a childhood sweetheart in her youth in Korea. She emigrates to Canada and eventually to the United States. Um, they kind of intermittently keep in touch and eventually she marries another guy and then they get back in touch and her childhood sweetheart comes to visit um, in New York. And that's, that's sort of that's the, movie. the plot. That's, that's the movie. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> but there's... Um, there's a lot of pieces I love. And I knew I was going to love it from the very first moment, which is where some people are sitting across the bar from these God. people and they're speculating God. about what their story is. And I mean, the number of times I've done that is, is high. Um, I mean, but yeah, it, I just, yes, it's, it, it's an incredibly relatable scene. It's, it's a thing we've all mm-hmm. done, but also like the meta level on which that scene is functioning. Yes. Like, that that scene is about the entire act of movie making in a yes. really interesting way. Yes, um, entirely. Mm. Yeah, and I just it felt really true to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I think I've only seen it once. I think I've only seen it once. I usually see stuff twice yeah. if I can. Um, but I remember scenes from it as as if they have you know as if I watched it yesterday, which just for me says something about the visual quality of it as well. Um, yeah, it's just a beautiful movie and the kind of movie that you could watch with, you know, pretty much anyone in your life and feel things in a, in a good way. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. say it's a happy ending, but it's definitely a good ending. Yeah. No, it's a perfect it's movie. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I, you know, I, um, there are movies I saw this year that, 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 people told me were you know oh take your hankies you're gonna you're gonna cry like a baby at the iron claw and where i would yeah. you know and i i left like dry-eyed because you know i and just you like do I, cry at movies i, I, am, I don't i do i've seen you cry a lot at movies. i i am i am a pretty soft touch i didn't yep. cry at, a, at, at some of the stuff people told me i was gonna cry at this year but i i sobbed in this movie Mm -hmm. um and Mm -hmm. and and realized in a really big way that that was about um you know this was the first thing i wrote about it in a maybe a fucking tweet because i was probably still on twitter when when i saw this in sundance but the first thought i had was that this movie reminds me of the the roger ebert quote about the movies that make him cry are not about when tragic things happen to people it's when people are good when people are um uh, in spite of sort of what what they may want, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, it really got to me because I I think yeah. whatever the specifics of this situation are, I think almost anyone who sees this film has had that question in their life of like what would have happened if this this this. Um, yes. It addresses yep. that in a, in a really direct and poignant and affecting way and also they're just all so good 
Like so John McGarrow oh, is incredible. Greta Lee. I've wanted, I have wanted Greta Lee to be a star for like five years now. I couldn't be happier <laughs> that she's, that she's in this movie. And I hope that, that she gets the recognition she there, deserves. There's for. a good piece uh, that ran in the paper uh, that Kyle Buchanan wrote this week, I think um, with mm. John McGarrow and Teo Yu. And apparently mm. <laughs> um, in the pandemic, John had just gotten married and was like setting up house and, you know, just kind of being a Brooklyn guy. And Teo Yu is a soap star in Korea. And for whatever reason was on some kind of a reality show where he had to like be on an island with like rich people and serve them food and stuff at this. So they had like, <laughs> worlds apart experiences which yeah. i think all kind of you pick up in the film yeah. like these are two yeah. lovely guys who are just like not polar you know, opposites not living in the same universe yeah it's yes. pretty great yeah yeah okay uh well then that brings us to the top and boy a, a movie would really have to be something special to be better than past <laughs> lives to be to be better than the movie we both pinned as the best movie of the year in mid-january so mm-hmm. what is your your and i would add mine and i would add manola's uh yes pick for the best movie yeah. of 2023 yeah i mean you know i i felt like i was it was almost expected and i tried to get around it and then i was like no there's no getting around this killers of the flower moon is so so yeah. good yeah it's so good you know you got you got nice color skin what color would you say that is my color The Osage, they have the worst land possible. But they outsmarted everybody. The land had oil on it. Black gold. Money flows freely here now. I do love that money, sir. (laughs) I mean, it's, you know, it's Marty. We love Marty. But also, whatever he's doing here is just, he keeps getting better. I don't, like, yeah. what, what's he taken? I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I will say what I love most about Killers of the Flower Moon is, um, I also saw this at Cannes, had no idea mm. what it was going to be, except that I had read the book. So I knew what the story mm. was, David Grand's book. And David Grand's book is basically about the FBI and how they investigated this, like, horrifying string of murders, string, pile, I don't know, crash of Mm -hmm. murders. Um, But uh, (laughs) I was bowled over when I watched the movie because it's very straightforward and almost like, mm, like not plotting isn't the right word, but it's very like one foot in front of the other when you're watching Mm -hmm. it. Um, It doesn't tell the story like the book does, which is a little more of a whodunit. You know whodunit from the start pretty much. Um, Leo is playing a very different kind of character than often he does. Um, the whole time I was like, what are you doing, Marty? Cause I know he, you know, he, <laughs> he likes to mess with you a little bit in ways that you're not yeah. expecting. And I had the Irishman in my head and the ending of the Irishman is like the most devastating mm-hmm. thing I've probably ever seen in my life. Um, and I got to the end and I won't give it away, yeah. but the scene mm. happens. And suddenly I was like, yeah. Oh my God, I have to go back and watch the whole movie over again. And when I actually did the whole thing clicked into place, what's he doing with this movie? And, you know, it's, I wrote a piece for Vox right before I left about how this fits in with um, his last two films, which are the Irishman and silence. And they all kind of work together as a confessional piece um, with Mm -hmm. him thinking about his life and also the act of storytelling and how how it works and how the person telling the story can shape the story in ways that warp reality. Um, And there's Mm. a real element of that to this movie. And the end is so brilliant that I kind Mm -hmm. of left the theater and I was just like, how did that happen? Mm -hmm. How did he do that? And in a Mm -hmm. sense, this is a movie he could only make at this point in his career. And, you know, a hundred percent, most people could never make this movie and have that scene make sense. Um, Yep. Yeah, and there's a lot of other amazing things about it. Obviously, Lily Gladstone needs to win an Oscar for her mm-hmm. role in this. She's just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But that's that. I didn't stop thinking about it, 
you know, for six months. So that made it obvious that this was the best movie of the year. And I would yeah. say this is the other movie from this year that I have Oppenheimer on my list. I have other movies on my list, but this is the one that I think will really, really endure. Um, and hopefully it's yeah. not his last film, but if it was for some reason, right. it would be a very right. worthy one. Although we've been saying that for like five movies now. So we'll see. I know, I know, <laughs> you know, and, and you've been right yeah. the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it doesn't feel quite like a guy literally picking out his own coffin the way that the Irishman no. did. Yeah. But <laughs> that, that last scene in particular and, um, and, and the, 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 the casting choices that are made within it, um, it, you know, it, it's a thesis statement. It's, yeah. uh, you know, I, I yeah. it, it, this is the other movie that made me cry this year. And I, I, yeah. I, I wept in the scene before that, the first time I saw mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. and then that sort of carried through, uh, the second time, um, when the final actor appears, I burst into tears because yeah. it, it was all so clear. It's all so, yeah. uh, we're talking in such coded language and, and <laughs> but yeah, when you but, see the you thing, know. you'll, you'll know. Yeah. 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 But yeah. in general, the, the general thought there's, I, I can't put it any more simply than this. No one's working at the level he's working at. No, no one who is no. currently making movies no. in the world <laughs> is working no. at the level of skill and craftsmanship and expertise and brilliance mm-hmm. that he is. Yep. And there have only been a handful of people in the in the in the history of the fucking medium who yep. have who have been working at this level. And they were all doing it this late in their lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, do, I just I don't think anyone can touch him right now. No, and you know, there's been quite a few late career movies this year that are like mm. that. The Miyazaki is a great example, mm-hmm. also, and um, the Weissman film. He's mm-hmm. like a thousand years old um, and yep. has made like a billion movies, and but these are all, you know, yeah, they're all like old guys, but they're they're all really thinking about stuff, and it's really coming out yeah. in their movies, and we're just <laughs> lucky to be around for it. I think. Yeah. I cannot think of a better note to close that top five on than that. Um, this is a great list, Alyssa. Um, yeah. Go read Thank it you. and read the other five also and and what Alyssa has to say about all of them. Uh, or let's enjoy a lightning round. All right, we're going to put five minutes on the clock. Alyssa, say something quick because um, we got a lot of good ones here. And here we go. The aforementioned Oppenheimer. Uh, incredible. <laughs> a movie about power. It's great. It's great. Kudos to Barbie. Noah. I enjoyed Barbie. I think it kind of, uh, it's best if you read it as an Adam and Eve story. So that's where I left it. Uh, Poor Things. I also enjoyed Poor Things. Um, it's, it's, I don't think it has a lot going on upstairs but it's way it's the nicest movie yorgos lanthimos has ever made and mark ruffalo <laughs> how can you not like best himbo in history Magnificent. american fiction i laughed my butt off during that movie i would i at tiff i need to go back and rewatch it now that i know that it's funny and just like see if i still like it but i did have a good time wonka I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> they never invited me to a screening. <laughs> <laughs> the color purple. Um, I have just reviewed it. Uh, so you mm-hmm. can read my review in the New York Times when the embargo <laughs> breaks. Um, but I will say <laughs> Danielle Brooks is spectacular in it. So give her an Oscar. A fire. Oh, I really liked A Fire, and not just because it's about a grumpy writer. I think it's, like, (laughs) really, really interesting. (laughs) The way it's constructed, the way it ends, the whole thing. I Yeah, I really, it stuck with me. Godland. Well, that's 
that's one of my favorites this year. Um, and I think that if you want to see like a priest get his butt kicked by Iceland and like, <laughs> uh, like what's the guy's name? Ragnar or something with the big beard. Oh, it's, yes. it's a blast. The eternal memory. Uh, another incredible documentary from this year. I've seen it a couple times and I think, you know, part of it is just these people live in a house surrounded by books, but also any documentary about memory is going to really kick me in the gut. So very much recommend. Smoke Sauna Sisterhood. Yeah, I can't believe this one. It felt like it almost didn't happen. Um, it's an incredible documentary. To my mind, it's the best kind of feminist movie of the year, but people should be aware that um, it's almost entirely nude women <laughs> shot from the neck down in a sauna. So don't like watch it on the subway, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I know you would never. I would never. Saltburn. No. <laughs> um, okay, I'm in the minority here. I really like oh, I, thought I really like this movie and I think um I think it's it, I think it's dumb, but I think it's dumb on purpose. So um if you're really into like Patricia Highsmith crossed with Brides had revisited crossed with like a like a needle straight in your eye. I don't know. I think it's worth the shot. See, there was a little lag, and right after I said salt burn, you were still saying no, and I thought that was gonna be which I agree with. <laughs> um no. You hurt my feelings. Oh, so funny. I took my husband to see You Hurt My Feelings, which should be tell you how much I liked it, because it is a movie. <laughs> That we very specifically should have feelings about, but we enjoyed it. <laughs> the Starling Girl. Um, I uh, am very much primed to love this movie. It's basically about me growing up, <laughs> um, but it flew under the radar, I think, because it's so small, and I would love for people to seek it out. Um, yeah. It's sort of coming of age mixed with religious trauma. Um, great, great performances. Highly recommend. Great combo. Um, yeah. Speaking of religious trauma, Sound of Freedom. Did you see Sound of Freedom, Melissa? I did not. That's the end of the <laughs> <Nice>. statement. <laughs> no. Ar Ari nope. Aster's Bo is Afraid. Uh, I mean, I... I seem to be deeply in the tank for Ari, but I think that's because every time he makes a movie, there's like, you could write like seven different pieces about it. Um, and I think I only wrote two about Bo is Afraid. Um, but Patty LuPone, A plus, goat, best, best ever. <laughs> um, Sophia Coppola's Priscilla. I love this movie a lot. And not only because Jacob Bellardi is about three feet taller than Kaylee Spaney. <laughs> It's smart. It's very Sophia, but it's a very smart movie. And it's a very smart movie. Ridley Scott's Napoleon. Great movie. <laughs> what an insane film. I mean, I, I think I love it all the more because the French hate it. Um, it's so funny. <laughs> you think you're so special because you have boats? Like, come on. <laughs> and finally, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Do you know, it took me forever to see this movie because I kept like missing screenings and like being out of town. And I finally watched it on a plane to Argentina about a month ago. And I was like, this <laughs> is does. an insanely charming movie. Rachel mm -hmm. McAdams is amazing. Benny Safdie, who's having like the time of his life this year. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, everyone should watch that movie. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. It is wonderful. Good year yes. for movies. <laughs> good year for movies. Very good lightning round. <laughs> Now we're going to throw it to our friend Debbie Axel Foley for a quick PSA. Head on over to your favorite podcasting app. Give us a star, a rate, a review. Give us a written review and tell us that you love us because that's what lets people know that we're here. Alyssa, where can people find you these days on social media? Um, I pretty much only post to social media when I have something come out or when my brain yep. is full. But you, I'm still on... <laughs> whatever we call it now, Twitter, X, whatever. But now I have to post to everything else. So you can find yep. me on Twitter, X, Instagram, Blue Sky, Threads, uh, like Substack Notes, LinkedIn, like pretty much anywhere. Um, and on mm -hmm. all of them, I'm just Alyssa Wilkinson, except on Twitter slash X, where I've been for like 20 years now. It's Alyssa Marie. 
There we go. I am Fun City Cinema on Instagram, Jason Dash Bailey on Blue Sky and Letterbox, where you can find under my lists the top fives for every episode of the show. Mike, where can people find you? Uh, nowhere. I'm just going to start posting okay. my address. I can't stand social media. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, and of course, we are on Substack, a very good year.substack.com, which may be where you're listening to this right now. Mike, before we go, what is your favorite movie of 2023? I had problems this year, man. I'm not ready yeah. to wrap this up yet. I I got I still have, I still need some therapy around okay. this year because I like and I can only I I figured it out at Thanksgiving because mm-hmm. my sister wanted to host Thanksgiving for some reason, but when someone wants to, you let them. And I was put on pie duty, and so no problem, <laughs> I can make the pies. So I had a request for apple hand pies for pecan and for uh for a gluten-free pecan and for a pumpkin and i was like no problem i can knock all that shit out and i did those pies and then i was like i don't want to eat any of those and i made a cherry bourbon like with you know proper frozen cherries and then i made oh, a yeah. blueberry cognac pie right <laughs> that were both just like and a little bit of like winter spice in the blueberry pie like they turned out wonderfully right and as i was Eating my blueberry cognac pie very happily, I realized that this is an, a proper analogy for mo- me watching movies this year. I was not here for comfort food, right? Like mm-hmm. I did not. <clears throat> I watched the holdovers. I did not enjoy it. Does that mean I don't mm-hmm. like a movie where Paul Giamatti is cranky and then tries not to be? That's insane. Of course, <clears throat> I love those movies. How could I not like those movies? Right? I didn't like Asteroid City. I really liked The Alien. I have to interrupt to say I really (laughs) did enjoy The Alien. But, like, does that mean... Of course not. His movies are fucking great. I just wasn't here for him this year. The one that made me sad, though, was The Pigeon Tunnel. Like, you're watching The Pigeon Tunnel, and you're like, okay, this is great, right? And then you're like, all right, cut to the load fucking Dutch. You know, cut to the fucking, like, unnaturally, (laughs) unnecessarily close side shot. Cut to the pigeon tunnel. (laughs) Back to the front. No, you couldn't predict the edits at some point in that movie? And this is, you know, this is one of my favorites. And I also love the Carre novels. So, like, I just need, I just wanted something. I needed some experimentation. Like... Is he not bored with that? Clearly not. All right, so I need to have this conversation. I need to because I know you're gonna. I know you're gonna hate me saying this, Jason. You hate me saying all of these things. I can see the look on your face. But am I wrong? Like, were these people bringing new things to the table this year? Was it just me that needed new things? No, it's not. But you know what? I I I liked all of those movies more than you did. None of them are in my top ten. None of them are in my top. Fair enough. Um, you know, the, the, the movies that, that Alyssa and I agree on, um, and you know, the, 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 the one that I'll talk about when you ask me what my one is, um, are, are in fact taking risks, taking chances, doing new things. Um, but I also like comfort food. Like I like, I know what Errol's going to give me now. I'm not asking one of the greatest documentarians of all time to reinvent the wheel at age 70, whatever he is. Like <laughs> I, but he already I, did I, like several times. He has the yes, ability. He has that shit yeah, in him. That's what makes him so I'm, great. I'm fine <laughs> with watching a standard Errol Morris documentary. I'm happy to have it. Uh, well, I'm also a- not like why, like at whinging because Wiseman didn't like hire a fucking voiceover artist to to lace the whole thing, right? Not complaining <laughs> well, that about that. Suck, so, so that's what I mean. This shit is on <laughs> yeah. me. It's yeah. on me. Like I'm not trying to say like Wes Anderson made a shitty movie. Like clearly, right. this is about my taste this year. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But so. and so and own that, and that's that's great. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll slide you some wrecks that that might shake your core a little bit. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you I haven't watched Killers of the Flower Moon yet because I'm afraid of bringing this shitty attitude into <laughs> this movie. And like, Mike, <laughs> you know, I can tell I can tell you I, I, I can't I, you know, I'm never bold enough to presume what you will like or not like. But I will tell you that I don't think you will find Killers of the Flower Moon to be comfort food. That's all I <laughs> no. I, I think that is a fair prediction. Yes. All right. So my favorite movie this year. Thank you for indulging me. In this conversation. Yeah. But I think yeah. my favorite movie this year, it makes it obvious, was El Conde. Did either of you there see you El go. Conde? Oh, Hell yes. El Conde's yeah. fucking great. Oh, yeah. my yep. God. I loved that movie yeah. so much. And it was like, 
you know, it's one of those things where you know they're going to recount some of the, you know, some of the stats. You know they're going to give you mm-hmm. some of the facts and figures on why this guy sucked so bad. You know, right. but the way that they introduce this sort of fiduciary character that then he thinks he's going to try to, like, fuck, I guess? I don't know. You're 300 <laughs> years old. Like, it just yep. sort of the way all of that stuff got figured into the movie, yep. I just thought was incredibly creative, was super smart. And then when they reveal who the narrator narrator was yes because like yeah i wasn't really that concerned with who the narrator was it was no. just a, it was just some lady and she's telling the story you know yes. so then yeah. when they actually take the step to introduce the narrator and it is yeah. who it is and it Brilliant. figures into not yep. just like the plot and the character of the movie but that puzzle piece snaps into real history mm-hmm. in a way that is just like all right that's that's top yeah. shelf shit you know, yeah, yeah. that yeah. right there is sort of that extra layer that you didn't need to make this movie good, but you did it anyway because you two were <laughs> bored with movies. Thank you so much, dude. Yeah, anyway, I fucking love... I, I, was, I was continually surprised and delighted by El Conde. I cannot... I don't know if I've ever picked a vampire movie as my favorite movie <laughs> of any year. Yeah. But 2023, that's, that's the one. How about you? Um, as I said, my number one and number two are the exact same as uh, my good friend Alyssa. Uh, so I'm going to, at this point, instead of rehashing my previous points, I'm going to tell you my number three of the year, which is Eileen, uh, which I oh, also yeah. saw at Sundance. I, 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 and I didn't stop thinking about it for the entire year. And I had to just keep thinking about it the entire year because it just <laughs> fucking came out. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's a wonderfully lurid, pulpy, uh, freakish, um, from what I understand, the book is considerably more freakish, but, um, it's just, it's, (laughs) it's just the best kind of like well-worn pulpy paperback novel of a movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and every, every weird fucking place that, thing went i was ready to fall i was ready to follow that movie into the bowels of hell um mm-hmm. and i've and i run hot and cold on thomas and mckinsey she's fantastic she has a moment mm-hmm. of just looking out a window and thinking that is some of the best oh, yeah. screen acting i've seen all year and uh and hathaway um i i, I i'm not sure if it's if, if this is been deemed cultural appropriation to use this phrase, but I'm going to say it anyway. And Hathaway understood the assignment. She understood yes. the <laughs> fucking assignment. Eileen yep. is fantastic. Um, yep. It's in theaters now. It's a neon release, so it'll be digital soon. It'll eventually be on Hulu like next year. Seek it out. It's really, really terrific. Um, Alyssa, thank you again for doing this. Yes. Thank you. Um, I, 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 not to get too emotional, I'll make it quick, but I was thinking earlier tonight, just holy shit, next year, Sundance, January of 2023 is a decade that we've been friends. Um, That's true. We, we, and I won't we hung be there. Out. But... <laughs> Neither will I. Neither will I. So uh, that's fine. F- we'll just get a beer here instead. Yes. <laughs> the first time Alyssa and I hung out was at Sundance in 2013. Um, that is true. Both of us wow. were, were, were really just kind of starting in this thing. Um, and it's been an eventful decade for both of us. And I, I value your friendship and I value your, your writing. And uh, I feel very lucky to know you. And I'll stop there. Uh, thank you again for, for, for coming on. Yeah, thank uh, you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Mike. Truly. Thank you, Jason. And thank you for listening. It was a very